Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, we started a new series last week called Encourage, and I told you that I honestly wished that I was Superman. Not just because he had such a cool outfit and not just because he happens to have the big S on his chest, which I really like. You'll figure that out later because, okay, you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. It's, a, it's S for Steve. I like that. You know, I just happen to be fond of the letter S. And so I kind of like that. But I, I told you I wished I could be Superman because Superman always seemed to operate in an inordinate amount of strength and ability to handle every situation without flinching. But then I dropped a bomb on you, and, and uh, counseling phone numbers have been just like jam-packed ever since I dropped this bomb on you and made this revelation. So I know I'm destroying your day, but let me just remind you and make the revelation again. Are you ready? Hold on your seat. I know your jaw's going to drop. I am not Superman. Oh. I know you've been depressed about that all week. Because the truth is, is you're not Superman or Superwoman or Catwoman either. None of us are. None of us are superheroes. We all need courage. But the truth is, is that we all tend to lack courage. And so I told you last week that you needed courage. I, I want to remind you of some things I told you. Number one, I, I recognize that some of you sitting in this room are very strong people. You have this ability to strong your way through, man. Going gets tough. The tough get going, and I'm just strong. And we want you to be strong. But the, the truth that God shared with us last week is that strength is not enough because God spoke to Joshua and said, be strong and courageous. The day will come when you won't be strong enough. The day will come when your strength will fail. And so you also need to have some courage about you that even if my strength is not where it needs to be, I still have courage in God that I'm going to make it through. And I told you that, that courage was so necessary because courage is a prerequisite to blessing. Because blessings are determined and based upon our obedience and God said to Joshua you need to be courageous because if you're courageous you will obey and so you need to be courageous so that you will obey so that you will be blessed and so we need you to be courageous in your life and I told you that we could have courage. We can have courage today, and I hope you've been walking in courage this week. The reason we can have courage is because your end is resolved. It's over but it's not over. You remember I said that last week? It's over, but it's not over. The reason it is over is because our end is resolved. The, we're living through the dramatic moments, but the last chapter of the book has already been written, and you can press through because your end is resolved. It may be bleak right now. It may look dark right now, but it's already been settled. It's over, but it's not over. And I told you, you could have courage because we're promised that His presence will be with us. I'm glad I walked all week in God's presence, aren't you? I'm glad that God was never late, not one day. He was always right on time. I was in his presence all week. He was with me. And when God is with me, we have a majority. And then I told you that the good news is that our success rate is not based on our success rate. You will mess up. Our success rate is based on God. God always comes through. And so I'm thankful this morning that, that God comes through and that my success is based on Him and not on me. And then I told you that God swears over you. I know you didn't know God swears, but God swears. He gives us sworn words, promises. 
that he will never let fail. And some of you, I want to remind you again, God has promised and said some things about you, and because he's sworn over you, you can have courage. You can live that way. So this morning, I think it's really crucial and, and important that we talk about the number one enemy of courage. I begin to think about what affects our courage level. What causes me not to have courage when I've got all these promises from God, when I've got God's presence, when my success is not based on my own success and my end is resolved? What causes me to lose courage? And I thought about this. Uncertainty certainly impacts my courage level. When things are uncertain, I get a little anxious, right, don't you? Don't look at me like I'm the only one. I know you do too. Uncertainty impacts my courage, but that's not the number one factor in our courage. And I thought about, what about people? Do people impact our courage level? Oh, yeah, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, that they certainly do. So courage, our courage can be impacted by other people, but that's not the number one impact. Then I thought about what we see and what we hear, our five senses. We allow what we see when, when we don't watch with our spiritual eyes or we don't listen with our spiritual ears. It has direct impact on our courage level. That's for sure. But all of those things are not the number one enemy of courage. The number one enemy of courage, I believe, is this. I think the, the, the factor of fear, how we di directly respond to, address, and deal with with fear determines how courageous we are. Now, I know I've talked to you about fear before. I talked to you when we did the Ultimate Cage Fighting Series. I, we talked about the cage of fear, and I said something. I want to share some new things with you this morning about fear because I think I've come to this resolution in my own mind that we will or will not be courageous by based upon how we deal with fear. Now, let me say this to you. Fear is common, and fear can be good. For instance, uh, most of us have a natural fear of lions. If you're walking through the woods and a lion comes into the woods, I don't know where you've been walking, but if you've been walking in the woods and a lion comes out, you're not going to walk up to the lion and, and let it purr and rub up against your leg because if it rubs up against your leg, you do know that you are lunch and so there's this uh, you know when uh, that's a natural fear and it's a healthy fear when me and my boys go hunting deer here in a couple weeks uh, when the lion walks out, we're not going where there's lion but if there was a lion that walked out I want them to be afraid of the lion because that's natural it's healthy but there are also fears that are not healthy in fact uh just as a reminder, I told you, I, I just kind of said it off the top of my head. We get in trouble sometimes when we say things off the top of our heads, but this time I was right. I, I said, I, when I talked to you about fear before, I, I made this statement just in passing. I hadn't really thought it through, and I just let it out of my mouth. And then somebody emailed me and said, I don't think you were right. And then I went and started studying and realized I was right. Because I said that I believe that not the natural, healthy kind of fear, but the, the, the fear that controls our life, that masters our life, is a sin. Somebody said, oh, that's not, that's not a sin. Oh, yeah, go look in Revelation when it says that when people are thrown into the lake of fire for judgment, it says all kinds of people are going to be there, adulterers and uh, lascivious lifestyle. And then it says, and those that are fearful. And so I realized that fear is a common emotion, and, it, and some of it's healthy, but some of it's not healthy. Have you ever met anybody that has been controlled by a spirit of fear? You know anybody like that? I, I knew somebody like that growing up. My grandmother, on my dad's side, she's passed away and with the Lord now, but she had an unhealthy 
spirit of fear when it came to storms. She grew up all of her life in West Oklahoma, and she was absolutely terrified of storms. I can still remember now as a little boy, a little cloud about this big, the size of a man's hand, would show up on the horizon, and she would grab us as children and run us to the cellar, and we would spend hours, hours in a dark, damp, musty cellar waiting on the tornado that never came. It didn't matter what Gary England said. It didn't matter what any of them said. They could have said, this is just going to be a few spring showers. Don't worry. And we would end up in the cellar because she was controlled by a spirit of fear. And what I've come to realize is that we can't operate like that. In fact, Paul tells us in the New Testament that we have not been given a spirit of fear. He goes on and he says uh, that we have a sound mind. So we're not supposed to be controlled like that. So he had it right, and I understand that. And I think Mark Twain probably had it right. He said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. We're all going to be afraid at times. Have you ever been afraid? Oh, come on, be honest now. I have to give an altar call for lying. How many of you have ever been afraid? I've been afraid. So he had it right, but we're talking about this spirit that masters us, that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. And so this morning, I want to teach you four things about fear that what, what I hope will be accomplished is that you will be afraid of being afraid from this day forward. And what I want to do is I want to take you to three, uh, for lack of a better term, sections of Scripture. Uh, sections because uh, some of them deal with several portions, three sections. And when I read them, you're going to go, those are totally unconnected. And you're right. And I don't normally skip around a lot. But this morning, I, I, I want to deal with these three sections because I think these three sections all relate to fear. And they teach us some really crucial lessons about fear. So if you will, follow along. It's going to be on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. It says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Then in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which, which shall be to all people. Section 2, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 18. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Section 3, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Section 1. Section 1, we read about one time a year around Christmas. 
Seems kind of odd to read the Christmas passages quote in October, but I think that these Christmas passages, if you will, when the angel comes to Joseph and the angel comes to Mary and the angel appears to the shepherds on the hill, those three sections or portions of Scripture in this first section teach us a very crucial truth about fear. In each of the accounts I read to you, they have this encounter with God. And before God speaks to them or says anything of any uh, account or worth noting, he always started the conversation like this. Fear not. Teaching us that fear blocks revelation. That's important for you to know this morning because I am convinced of this. If our hearts are overcome by fear, if we allow fear to operate in our life, we do know this, that God is constantly speaking. He's constantly giving direction. He's constantly wanting to give us instruction. But if fear overtakes our life, then we are unlikely to be able to receive the revelation that God is trying to give us. We block our ears when we are controlled by a spirit of fear. I got news for you this morning. God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to give you instructions. God is trying to give you revelation for your life. But if your life is consumed by a spirit of fear, you will be unable or unlikely to hear from Him. I wonder how many of us miss messages from God. I wonder how many of us this week have God's been trying to speak to us and give us instruction. You thought the person sitting next to you in your little cubicle when they turned around and said, I think you ought to do this. You just thought they were being nosy and in your business. But the reality was it was a revelation of God. He was trying to get your attention. He was trying to speak to you. It was as if an angel had come and stood and said, this is the way that you're supposed to go. But you couldn't hear him because of fear. Fear blocks revelation. Fear shuts our ability to hear God down. Fear is what keeps us from thinking that it's possible. When we hear God, if our hearts are over, overtaken and overwhelmed by fear, what we do is we go like this. I hear you, but that can't be from God. That's got to be the pizza I ate last night. That's impossible. There's, that was for somebody else. There's no way you're talking to me. There's no way you're saying to me, do this or do that. Because there's, uh, you don't understand. I can't accomplish. And we allow fear to shut our ears. Uh, how many of you recognize this morning that you need a revelation? How many of you know we need a revelation from God? We need the word of God in our life. We need God to speak to us on a regular basis. But how many of you know that without, if you miss a revelation, you can find yourself in a situation? Most of us find ourselves in situations because we've missed the revelation that God has wanted to give us. And so I wrote this down. I want you to get this into your spirit. Revelation heard through a cloud of fear is wasted revelation. Because if you have a cloud of fear over your life and God speaks to you, you will miss it every time. We have got to operate in courage so that we can hear God. I was reminded in the Old Testament, you know what? It took Noah some courage to build an ark when it had never rained. He heard God because he wasn't consumed by fear. I thought about Abraham. It took Abraham some real courage to walk up a mountain to offer a sacrifice and believe that God was going to provide a sacrifice before he'd ever seen the sacrifice. That takes courage. If, he'd, if his mind had been consumed by fear, he would have never started up the mountain to begin with. Moses had to have courage. 
I know he started out in fear. You want me to go to Pharaoh? But somewhere when God said, I'm with you, there's the promise of his presence. When God said, I'll speak through you, there's his sworn word. Somehow Moses' fear turned to courage. And when he got rid of the fear, he quit saying, I can't go. I can't speak. I can't do it. Because it cleared up for him and he realized that he would received a revelation. I want to tell some of you that you've been missing what God has been saying because you've allowed your heart to be overtaken by fear. Fear will block revelation every time. You've got to operate in courage. Section 2. Section 2 is a passage of Scripture that I read to you out of the New Testament that talks about Jesus' disciples and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. They get about, oh, three or three and a half miles across the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes up and it gets kind of dangerous. And what this passage teaches us that is this, that if we're not careful... Fear will cause you to try to keep Jesus out of your boat. Oh, you go back and read it for yourself. The Bible says that it was the middle of the night. It was the darkest moment. It was rough seas. They thought they were going under. They thought they were doomed. They had done all they'd known to do. They had struggled for three and a half miles. And that what you've got to understand is that the Sea of Galilee is only eight miles wide at the widest point, and they should be able to cross over completely in about two hours. And they find themselves out there struggling in the middle, thinking they're going down. And Jesus walks on the water and shows up at the darkest, scariest, roughest moment. <laughs> and fear overtakes them. They see Jesus, and they're terrified. And it says, I, I need to reference you back the way it's worded. It says, he's walking on the water. And then when he reveals who he is, then they were willing to take him into the boat. I would like to think that if I was out in the middle of the sea and the water was about to overtake me and I've done all I know to do, and I've rowed as hard as I can row, and I've sung row, row, row your boat until I'm blue in the face, and I've put my back into the oars, and I'm trying, and I'm getting nowhere, and it's the darkest, most dangerous moment. I don't think, I would like to think that I don't even have to know who he is. All I know is he's walking across the water, and he has the ability to walk on what is troubling me. I would like to think that I would just say, come on and get in the boat. But I wouldn't be honest. Because isn't this a perfect picture of what we do? Our life begins to get rough. Our marriages start struggling. Our children start acting the fool. Provision isn't like we thought it would be. And all of a sudden, instead of asking Jesus to get in the boat and running to the right thing, we run away from Jesus and we pull the covers over our heads and say, I ain't going to church today. Life has been too hard. I don't want to see anybody. And we hide from Jesus rather than saying, Jesus, come get in my boat. I want to tell you this morning, if you are not careful, you will allow fear to try to keep Jesus out of your life. You will try to travel without him. I just want to tell you that the journey's better when Jesus is on board. We've got to operate in courage and understand that Jesus can get us where we're trying to go. Interesting about this passage of Scripture, the, the Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. They're dead square in the middle. They've been trying for hours to get across. The Bible, interesting, never saw it before. The Bible says that when Jesus got on, a bo on the boat, immediately... He caused them to arrive at their destination immediately. What happened? Did, did he just create an outboard motor on the back of the rowboat and just boom, they're there? Did he 
Did a huge wind suddenly come behind him and push him? Did he transport them? I don't know what happens. All I know is that when Jesus gets on the boat, what seemed to take forever doesn't take as long anymore, and he got them to where they were wanting to go. I am asking you this morning to get fear out of your life and to operate in courage. Add Jesus to your journey. Let Jesus come alongside you and row in your boat with you, and you will get to where you're going faster. We need him in our lives. We cannot run away from him. Section. Three. Section 3 is a passage of Scripture out of Acts. I love this passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorite ones because it gives hope to all of us ordinary folks. Because it said this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note in these men that these men had been with Jesus. Notice, if you will, the Bible says that these people saw the anointing of Peter and John, and it caused them to be convinced that they'd been with Jesus. Did y'all read that? Notice, if you will, it said they noticed that Peter and John glowed in the dark because they were so anointed, and that caused the people to recognize that they had been with Jesus. Notice, if you will, it said that the people saw that they had worshipped that Sunday morning and that they'd raised their hands and that they'd fallen down and bucked and snorted and, and drooled at the mouth and foamed at the mouth and spoke in tongues and displayed all kinds of spiritual gifts, and that convinced them that they had been with Jesus. Is that what it says? No. It says, when they saw their courage, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so the truth this morning that I want to share with you is this. Fear reveals our level of intimacy with Jesus. If their courage exposed the fact that they had been with Jesus, then it is a logical conclusion that our fear reveals that we have not been with Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. My question for you this morning is, can anybody tell you've been with Jesus? Can anybody tell by the courage in your life that you've been with Jesus when you walk into work? Does anybody know that you've been with Jesus because you're courageous? I have discovered that the most courageous people are those people that have spent time with Jesus. I have discovered that the people that are willing to take the greatest risks and to do the most for the kingdom of God are those that have spent time with Jesus. Take Notice of your own life and ask yourself this question, can anybody tell you've been with him or are you playing it safe and are you afraid because that reveals a lack of intimacy with him. What should set us apart as a body? Our love? Absolutely. What should set us apart as a body? Our cool t-shirts? Our nice banners, the stickers on our car, the cool praise and worship, the good-looking preacher. What should set us apart as a church? Our courage. Can I steal a line from a pastor right down the road at Life Church? I think he's got it right. He says that in order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, you have to be willing to do things that nobody else is doing. That takes courage. What are you facing that's causing you to be afraid? Your fear level indicates and reveals your intimacy level with Jesus. If you would just get along with Christ, fear would disappear. The fourth thing I would teach you out of this same portion or section of Scripture is this. Fear is contagious, but so is courage. 
interesting in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13 that I read to you. I think, it's, I think it was intentional that the writer says they took notice of Peter and John. I think that was on purpose. You know why I think it's on purpose? Because greater courage comes from courageous associations. Who you hang out with, who you spend time with, who you're in relationship with dictates how much courage you have in your life. Billy Graham said it like this. He says, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. That's why it is so absolutely essential that you hang out with the right people. That's why it's so important for you this morning to get your cell phone out when church is over and go down your contact list and find out who's got your ear and who's speaking. There are some people that you spend time with that speak to your fear and there are some people that you spend time with that speak to your courage. We've got to spend time with the right people so that their courage will rub off on us because fear is contagious. If you don't believe me, go into the Old Testament and read the story of the ten spies. One got afraid, said the giants are too big. The other one went, you know what, you're right. The two came back and said, man, they're scary. The third one went, ooh, they are bigger than I thought they were. The three go back and say, it's bad over there. The fourth one goes, you know what, all the way to ten, ten of them come back and say, we can't do this, we're nobodies, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Because fear rubs off. My question to you this morning is who are you hanging around? Who are you emailing? Who are you listening to? Who are you talking to on the telephone? Who are you hanging out with at work? Who are you hanging out with in your neighborhood? Who are you spending time with in your household that is producing fear in your life? You have got to learn that fear is contagious. So what i got to do is i got to find people that can rub off on me. And courage will become mine. I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament. The Bible says that David and his men were out fighting, and the Amalekites came to their camp when they when his men were out fighting, and the Amalekites sees a they see a great opportunity, and so they steal all their goods, they take all their wives, all their children, and they run off. And David and his men come back, and the Bible says that David was dismayed, and that the men were so just afraid of what that meant that they become totally despondent and even to the point that they want to kill David. Remember that? The guys that were fighting with him now want to kill him. The fact the Bible says they want to stone him. And the Bible says something very interesting. It says David encouraged himself in the Lord. I came to tell you this morning that sometimes you got to get away from everybody else. You got to get in a closet in a prayer place, and you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to quit waiting on everybody else to rub off on you because some of you hang out with people of fear all the time, and you got to get to the place where you can encourage yourself in the Lord. And an interesting thing happened because courage is contagious. Interesting thing happened. David encouraged himself in the Lord, and the Bible says that those men that were rock shopping dropped their rocks and followed David into victory. In other words, David rubbed off on them. I just want to encourage you this morning. That's who you've got to be. You cannot be the people that speak fear into people. You've got to become like David so that you can encourage yourself in the Lord and you can rub off on people. And the courage that is overtaking your life will overtake others because courage is contagious. So some questions for you this morning. Can you hear God? 
Has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has it been a year? Has it been a decade? Has it been two decades since you've actually heard God? Could it be that fear has blocked you? Second question, is Jesus on your boat? Or are you trying to get there by yourself? And are you running to the right things in the midst of your storm? Three, what does your fear level say about your intimacy with Christ? Are you afraid? Could it be you haven't spent any time with him lately? And four, are you rubbing off on somebody or is somebody rubbing off on you? Who are you hanging out with? Who's infecting who? That's the question this morning. Would you stand with me? I told you last week that Jesus said in the last day that men would lose heart. That is the literal translation of courage. The word courage means to lose heart. And there will come times when our natural ability to handle fear will disappear. That's why I think we need to learn what David had learned. Because in Psalms chapter 73 verse 26, please get this. This is what he says. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. He understood that natural courage would fall short sometimes. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. But here's the lesson he learned. But God is my strength. He says it like this. He says, but God is the strength of my heart. See the correlation? If courage, lack of courage is we're going to lose heart. David says, no, no, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Don't operate in the spirit of fear. You can have courage this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you this morning that you're speaking to us even now. And God, I pray right now that you would stir up a spirit of courage in us. God, if we haven't been able to hear you because our ears have been blocked due to fear, I pray this morning that you would clear out our ears, our spiritual ears, and we would trust you and we would hear revelation. God, I know this, your word declares that you're speaking all the time. Your word declares that we live on your word. Your word declares that you order the steps of righteous men and women. That means you're giving us instructions and directions 24 hours a day. So, God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice or watching over the Internet that's struggling with direction and instruction, then something is blocking our receptivity. Father, help us to be able to hear revelation again. Take away our fear. Help us to be afraid of being afraid. Help us to operate in courage. Jesus, I ask you to come get on our boat. Right in the midst of the darkest, roughest moments of our life. When we get scared silly, scared even stupid. Because we do stupid stuff when we're scared. When we're sitting in a service like this and we look at our checkbook and there's no balance and we go, God, I'm scared to tithe. I got to have the tithe. I can't make it without it. Just sorry. Help us not to be scared, stupid. Help us to operate in courage and to take you at your sworn word. God, when our relationships are beginning to break down and we do silly things out of fear, 
I pray that you'd step into that moment right in that very midst of that moment and you would join us on our journey and allow us not to do something stupid but to take you at your sworn word and to abide in your presence. God, I pray that you would expose our fear level so that we can tell how intimate we are with you. I pray that people would begin to know us by our courage. I pray that we would have an audacious faith that this church would become known, that these individuals that make up this church would become known by their courage. When everything else is falling all around us, when folks are freaking out over the swine flu, and when folks are freaking out over the stock market, and when folks are freaking out over national security, and when folks are just freaking out, I pray that they would look at us even when we're going through trials and even when we have trouble and they would recognize the fact that we've been with you by our courage. Help us to take you at your word and to trust you. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be contagious. I pray that we would quit letting folks rub off on us and we would rub off on them and that we would become carriers of courage to those around us. In Jesus' name. I want to do two things this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I hate to inform you of this, but you will never have enough courage to make it because without Jesus, this is a scary place to live. You'll never have enough strength. You'll never have enough power. You'll never have enough ability on your own. But the good news this morning is if Jesus is not the Lord of your life and if you've never asked Jesus into your life, He's here. So very quickly, I promise I won't embarrass you. I'll do two things. One, I'm going to pray. We're all going to pray together. And then two, I will connect you with a relationship of courage so that we can encourage you this morning and make sure that you walk this thing out. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, real quickly, would you just raise your hand and pull it back down? I promise I won't embarrass you. just want to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, it's a perfect opportunity. We had one in the first service that gave their life to Jesus. You can do the same right now. Is there one? Not going to wait long. You're watching on the Internet right now, and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. I've got good news for you. It's as simple as asking Him into your heart. Drop us an email. Let us know that you've asked Jesus into your heart. We're praying for you. I've been praying for you all week, every one of you, that God would do something very specific this morning. I've been praying that God would assign you to a relationship of courage. Oh, I know we come together like this, and we just um, we just rub shoulders with the same people, even in the congregation this size we, size. we pick out people that we know and that we have something in common with, and that's all we basically hang out with. But I've been asking God to take you out of your comfort zone and to actually put you on assignment to give you somebody that their face would flash across the screen of your mind and you would say, you know what? God is sending me to them. I'm going to covenant with them that I'm going to become a person of courage to them. And when they're going through trouble, all they got to do is pick up the phone or when I see them at church, I'm not going to speak death over them. I'm going to speak courage into them. I'm going to encourage them. What I'm getting ready to ask you to do is going to take guts and it's going to take some courage. I understand that. But I want you to operate out of a spirit of revelation, I believe that some of you, the people that God is assigning you to, they're here, and you need to take care of this right now. Some of you, who you're being assigned to, may not be here, and so I just 
challenge you to make sure before the day ends that you contact them and make a covenant with them. I want to pray over you very quickly and then I'm going to release you to go to the people that God has assigned you to. Get out of your comfort zone and go to people. Say, God has assigned me to you as a relationship of courage and I'm going to speak courage into your life. That's my assignment to you. And I believe that while we do that, we're going to become contagious and courage is going to rub off two things and then I'm going to pray. Number one, if you're visiting with us, make sure you get your cookies on the way out. Number two, if after this moment of prayer, if you need special prayer this morning, our prayer team will be stationed in the west lobby. As you walk out, turn to your left. They're standing over there. They're not there to shoot the breeze. They're there to agree with you, to pray with you, to believe that God is going to work a miracle in your life. And so if you need special prayer this morning, that's where you can go. Father, this morning I pray that you would challenge us to make covenants of courage. I pray that men and women, young men and women, older men and women, even very young children would find people. Even now, we would make covenant with one another and we would become a covenant of courage where when they're down and we come into contact with them, we're going to be so sensitive to your spirit that we can see that they're down. We can sense that they're down. And you're going to fill our mouths with a word of courage. And we're going to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. And it's going to produce courage. And so, Father, I pray that each person standing here would obey you and be sensitive to your direction. And they would find folks that they can covenant with this morning to encourage strengthen. God, we give you praise for a great day. I pray that you'd bless my people. I pray that you'd go with them. I pray that your face would shine on them, that this would be a powerful day, and as they go out of here, they would be contagious everywhere they go, that we would master fear, that would people would know us by the risks that we're willing to take. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you right now, turn, find somebody. Allow the Holy Spirit to send you on an assignment this morning to somebody that you are assigned to, to encourage, and then you're free to go. God bless you. Thanks for being at Passion. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Passion. 